Holy God, we've learned so much about you uh, this week, Father. We want to thank you for this time that we have. I want to thank you, Lord God, for um, your Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and shed his blood for our sins. Lord, we pray that you would be uh, with these young men and young women. Speak to them, Father. We know and believe that you are with us, Father, at this very moment. Though we see this dimension, we see the people around us, but there is a different dimension that you belong to as well, that where there is evil warring against their hearts at this very moment. So we pray, Father, protect their hearts. Speak through me, Father, that you would be glorified. Pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So if you want to follow, uh, I'm going to read out of Genesis chapter 3. A very familiar story, perhaps, for, for a lot of us and for you. Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man. Okay, and then we're going we're gonna to focus on this a little bit. Genesis chapter 3, we can read verses 1 to 13, and then we're going to jump from the 22nd verse to the 24th verse. <clears throat> Here it goes. Ver- verse 1 of Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, have God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat. Neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And then the woman saw, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. <clears throat> and the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons or clothing. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden. In the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, of the Lord God, among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called on to Adam and said, Where art thou? And he said, I heard the voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman that thou givest me to me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said the woman, unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat, or deceived me. Let's go to verse 20, 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become one of us, to know good and evil, and to know, and now, lest he put forth his hand, and take also of the tree of life, and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove, them, drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden a cherubim and a flaming sword, which turned every which way to keep them away from the tree of life. This week we heard, Monday we heard of who God is. 
Uh, and I think it gave all of us a refresher of who God is. We don't really still fully understand God. I don't think we ever will until we receive our glorified bodies, those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But we heard that God is holy, and, that, and because God is holy, we are to be holy. Why? Because we are his children, those that are his children. We're to be holy. We're to represent our Father. The children of Israel, we know in the Old Testament, were to be a holy nation. God chose them out. And they were to be a holy nation. They were to be a light to the other nations. They were to be a light to the Gentiles as well. And we see that parallel with with Christians today. We as Christians, those here who are Christians, who have surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, we're to be light and to represent God by our life and the way we act. The Bible says we're to be ambassadors for Christ, representatives for Jesus Christ, living a life according to God's standard. I mean, that's not easy. This is not living a life, um, you know, this is not living a life uh, holier than your friend, right? That's what we do. We measure our standard. We measure, you know, how holy we are by how holy your friend is, perhaps. And you know what? I don't do those type of sins. Uh, they do a little bigger sins, so I'm a little bit holier. And you know what? And I can coast through life. That's not what God talks about when he says, be holy for I am holy. He doesn't say be holy because your friend is pretty holy, but we are to strive for his holiness. Holiness means physically pure, morally blameless, consecrated, a saint. We're to be called saints. It's more than uh, just to uh, look holy. I think this is what God's really been laying on my heart last few weeks. Um, and it seems like that's always on my heart. Maybe I struggle with that a lot. I struggled a lot with that when I was younger. Maybe we grew up in the same way. It, it, it's one thing is trying to look holy, going through the checklist of life, going to church on Sunday, and, uh, you know, looking the part and, you know, thinking that you're holy. That's not what he's talking about. It's something that happens inside your hearts. And that's pr- probably why a lot of uh, you, if I can say, uh, maybe have started the counseling session. And I, br- and I remember Brother Nick Tapa, it's always going to, rem- you know, stick in my mind. He says you go on the, on, on, the, on the counseling carousel, off and on, off and on, off and on, waiting. Oh, I've sinned. i got to stop. And, and you're just depending on yourself and what you're going to do and how you're going to obtain this holiness. And when I become to this level, then you know what? I can surrender my life to Christ. That's not what God expected from us. Can we obtain this holiness on our own? No, we can't. We can't. It is only through Jesus Christ and the work on the cross that we can obtain this holiness. Holiness. And I think for us to really understand this, we have to really hear the bad news. The news that we don't want to hear about ourselves, or maybe we don't like to hear about it, is, that, is to understand that we're all sinners. We're sinners. And, and maybe, maybe that's why this whole idea is be holy for God is holy. Maybe we couldn't really even grasp, really understand that. Like, why do I have to even be holy? Like, I, I'm a good person already. No, no, no. We're sinners. And you're a sinner. We're in this flesh. God knew us. And he knows us. And so I think we have to understand that we are in this flesh and we will sin and we have to look at that whole, the, the God's whole plan for salvation. For us to really understand how can we reach this holiness or this righteousness or to be justified. And so we have to look at the whole picture. We can't just follow a bunch of checklists. That's not going to get us anywhere. And so we read out of Genesis chapter 3, but in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, it says, but the Lord God warned him. He's talking to Adam. You may freely eat of the, of the fruit of every tree in the garden. Verse 17. Except the tree of knowledge of good and evil, if you eat of its fruit, you are sure to what? What do you say after that? Do you guys remember? Say it if you know it. Die. Exactly. That's the consequence of sin, is death. The consequence of sin is death. 
a warning took place. God was merciful. He, he, he warned man not to uh, partake of that tree, but man made this choice, and he partook of this tree, of this fruit. And we read here that um, God, the, what was the warning? That except the, uh, 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 sorry, but the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat of the, uh, out of the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. They would also know good from evil. And maybe someone thinks, oh, well, that's good. They got a lot of wisdom there. They, they, they learned a lot. Now they're going to be, they're going to know good from evil. But you see, that wasn't a good thing, actually. Because I believe that they were innocent if they did not know what was good and evil. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? They kind of, now that they know what's good and evil, now you are accountable and you're responsible. Adam should have just listened. You know when our parents say, don't do this. Why? Don't do, I said so. You know, maybe God could have said, I said so. That's why. Didn't have to explain the whole, what was going to happen. But man was disobedient. And he partook. And we read in, 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 in the chapter that we read, Genesis 3, 7, and their eyes of them were both open, and they knew that they were naked. Both Adam and Eve knew that they were naked. And so they were ashamed now all of a sudden. Their innocency was gone. They knew that they had sinned. And so what does he do? He says here that they sold for them, uh, some clothing out of fig leaves. They, they put some clothing on um, and made aprons. Their eyes were open. All of a sudden, when they had partaken of that Fruit, it affected all of us. We don't understand. And, and that's why for those of you who have come here and think, well, I understand, okay, God's, but what does it really have to do with me? You were affected. I was affected by what Adam did. And you can say, well, that has nothing to do with me. I didn't partake of it. Their action changed the whole course of time. It affected every one of us here. Man is deemed a sinner now because now he knows right from wrong. Their eyes are open. Now they're accountable when they knew what was right and wrong. Verse 8, And there heard a voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the tree of the garden. Imagine the peace they had. Imagine the What did they need to know more? What more did they need? God was with them. The, the, the peaceful bliss. God was walking. And you know, the, the nice breeze walking through the garden with them. And he calls out, for them. You see, their innocency had left them. They were ashamed now. And now they felt guilty. They were hiding. They knew they had done something wrong. They hear God's voice. They're scared. They're, they, they feel awkward. You see, that is the evidence now that they, they know they have sinned. Their eyes were open all of a sudden. Guilty, ashamed, not ready to meet God. Nothing has changed today. This is the evidence that you and me, we, are in the, we have this sin nature. We've inherited Adam's sin because we've talked about this a little bit on, 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 in our Bible class on Monday. When we sin, we feel empty. We feel guilty, right? Who here sins and, and, and not, does not feel guilty? When they, knew, when they know it's, they've done something wrong, they feel guilty. So you were affected. You do know that you've done something wrong. Genesis 3.21. And to Adam also and his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothed clothe them. You know, God's such a merciful, such an amazing God. You know, I'll, I'll take care of this. Gets rid of those fig leaves, and he kills an animal. He kills an animal, and he makes some clothing for them. And I believe this is the first time in the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, or sorry, it, it, up to this time that anything had even died. 
But you see, it was a point, it was a picture that blood needed to be shed. It was all pointed Jesus Christ. See, I really want, I know, I know this is almost very long, and I want, to, I want to first, let me first give a little, maybe should have had this little disclosure in the beginning of the message. You might not hear anything new tonight. You might, ah, I heard this before. And, I, and I'm going to preach the same thing, and I believe other preachers will preach, preach the same thing until Jesus returns. But I am not expecting anything from my preaching. I'm not expecting that your heart's going to be changed. I'm just hoping that God uses me and that the word will touch your hearts. And maybe it's the same thing you heard 50 times, but maybe tonight that word will fall in those ears to hear. And something will be kindled in your hearts. And maybe conviction. And so, again, point of Jesus Christ. Blood had to be shed to cover sin. Again, I see this as God's grace. Genesis 3.24, so he drove the man out, and he placed on the east of the garden uh, uh, cherubims when a flaming sword would turn every way to keep them out of the way of the tree of life. What we didn't read because of time was there was a curse now. There was a consequence not only that the man would die, but there was a consequence also that man would have to uh, forever uh, work and by the sword of his brow and provide, and the woman would go through childbearing and so forth. But I believe that God in his grace, and grace, graciousness put a, a, a flaming sword. Why? That they would not, he says here, that they would not partake of the tree of life, that they would not live forever underneath that curse. God had other plans. And God was never caught by surprise, nor was he ever caught by surprise. How does this affect us? How does this affect us today? Today, at camp, here. The Bible says, the man that sins shall die. That's the law. It's not that the, the, your, your church preacher says it, or your parents say it, or that I say it, or that some elder says it. No, it's God that says it. So, really, I hope that to this point, all we can say is, guilty as charge, Your Honor, when we stand before God. If God was to come today, and you're not ready... That's not no pressure tactic. And, you know, go give your life to Christ right now. You might go to hell tonight. No, no, no. But if God was, if Christ was to return today, you would have nothing to say. You wouldn't be able to say, well, I, I, I've helped so many people, and I've done so many good deeds, and I've gone to church all my, all, every Sunday since I was a little kid, and my parents were Christians. No, no, no. Guilty as charged, Your Honor. That's it. I'm guilty. There's nothing that you could have offered. We are all guilty because of Adam's sin. How can this be fixed? Who wants us fixed? You see, God provided a way for us. Our good deeds would do nothing. Isaiah, Isaiah 64, 6. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. We have nothing to offer to God. You know, the, Jesus said, Blessed is the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit. We have to realize our spiritual bankruptcy. We have nothing to offer on the table to God. There's nothing that we can do. We are sinners in this flesh, and we need a Savior. Maybe sometimes we have a hard time with that. Well, why, why, do, why, why can't we do good things? Why can't we just do good things, and that can erase all the bad things? Do you guys hear me? Can you hear me? Okay. That's good. All right. I feel like it's kind of just drowned out. Maybe I'm going quieter. But um, so, so maybe we think that we could do a lot of good things to, 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 to drown out the bad things. And I have a little example I want you to think about. Actually, Isabella. Where's Isabella? There, Isabella, where are you? Right there, Isabella. Okay, you can put your hand up, not down there. Okay, 
Her friend actually mentioned this in school when they were debating their, their, their uh, English teacher or their homeroom teacher. And I actually liked that. I thought it was a good, a good point. And, they, and, she, and her friend, her Christian friend, her brought this up. That l- let's just say that you had uh, somebody hurt your, your really good friend or your family, your brother, your sister, your mother, your father. They hurt them. They, 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 take, they took a car on purpose and they ran right into them. And, and all of a sudden they're paralyzed. And you see your parents suffering. Let's just say it was your mom. You see your mother suffering every day. She's paralyzed for the rest of her life. And then you find out, this man took off, and you find out that eventually they, they caught up to this man. And you want to know what happened. Did he go to jail, right? What, what, what should his punishment be? What should his punishment be? He just hurt your family, and, 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 and uh, he took off. You probably want maybe jail time at least. But you heard that the judge let him off because, uh, because he helped an old lady cross the street. And he's let off the hook. Would that be a fair penalty for his crime? Yes or no? No. Of course they wouldn't. Because there's a law that if, there, if you hit and run, if you hit somebody, there, there's a law in place. And just because you did something good, it cannot uh, get rid of um, your sin or, 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 or what you have been charged for. That just doesn't make sense. So why is God any different? Why do we think that God is any different? Man's original sin, we've inherited. We take a little kid, we tell him right now, I said, Johnny, or Micah, my little nephew, Micah, he said, Micah, here's a fork. Don't put your fork in that socket. If I were to walk out, I bet you, and within a few minutes, he'd be walking to that socket with the fork. Sin nature. We, we, we do that. We're curious, right? The Bible says, the man that sins shall die. Where do we stand before God today? Those that have not surrendered their life, where do you stand before, to, before God today? How can this be reconciled? God does, demands holiness. His standard. Not your neighbor's standard. His standard. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. He's talking about Adam here. One man, Adam. Man, that's the Hebrew word for Adam, is man, I believe it is. 5.18, Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon condemnation upon everyone, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came. Who that one righteous, who's that one, who's that one righteous person? Who's that one righteous person? Jesus. That's right. Jesus. It wasn't me. It wasn't you. So there's no way that you can somehow inherit your salvation by being so good. As a matter of fact, I think that's the enemy's tactic is, is, is we'll just try to be good and try to be good and try, and guess what? We go through life trying to be good and we don't surrender our life and let Christ work through us. And, and let us be new creatures in Jesus Christ, because the Bible says that Christ lives in us when we surrender our life to him. 19, five, Romans 5, 19. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by, one, by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Yes, we're affected by Adam, sin, but now we're also affected by what Jesus did on the cross. We can be declared righteous. Can you imagine yourself being righteous? Not in this proud way, but God sees us as being righteous. What did Jesus do on the cross? What, what was it that was so special about Jesus? What, what, what appeased God's wrath? And how do we know it appeased God's wrath? Well, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, it talks about the resurrection. Paul's writing to the Corinthians about the resurrection and why it's so important. If, if Christ never resurrected, they would be liars because they've been preaching the resurrection. So if Christ didn't really resurrect, 
they would be liars. But he says something interesting. He says, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. If Christ did not come out of the grave, your faith is in vain. Because we put our faith in Jesus Christ, in his death, his burial, and his resurrections. Romans 10 talks about that as well. That we believe that, that we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. But you see, there's, a, there's also another meaning, I believe, there. And, and I, for us to understand that, we have to understand this idea of Jesus Christ being this high priest. And I shared this with our church. We went through uh, you know, the Hebrews a little bit, talking about this high priest. And maybe some of you are young and don't really read the Old Testament and the duties of a high priest. But when a high priest would go and offer a sacrifice... Uh, 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 an animal sacrifice once a year. He would go for the sins of the people, of the nation Israel. The, the, the people would wait outside to see what happens. Has God accepted this sacrifice, this atonement, this blood sacrifice that was sprinkled on the mercy seat? Has God accepted it? Well, when the, when, when the high priest would walk out, they would know that he's come out and, and, and God has accepted that sacrifice. And so they would rejoice. And so we know by the resurrection, that Jesus resurrected, that God was pleased with that sacrifice. Had he not resurrected, we would still be in our sins. And atonement was not made. The price was not made. But because Jesus resurrected, and we believe that, the price has been paid. You see, blood was shed on the cross. Maybe that's me. Oh, it's gross. Blood. What does blood have to do with this? You know, it's so Old Testament sacrifice. What does that have to do? Well, it's this pattern throughout the Old Testament, New Testament. Jesus Christ, his blood was shed for you and for me. You see how it takes the onus off of us? We're not scot-free, by the way. You know, but it does take the responsibility off of us of how well we perform. And I'm saying this to you young people because I think that, that, that we, you, you might, even for us adults, we feel that we have to perform and perform to inherit salvation. Then it's not a gift. Romans talks about that. It's not a gift if you have to earn it. And here we clearly see that salvation is a gift that God wants to give to all of us here. Romans 3.25, For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are, and this is a different translation, I believe I took this out of the ESV or NLT translation. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sanctified his life by the shedding of his blood, or shedding his blood. Without the shedding of blood, the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, if there was no shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And that's why the old, in the Old Testament, the high priest would go and shed blood. Why? Why without the shedding of blood? Like, okay, Mike, this is getting a little confusing. Why does blood have to be shed? Because the Bible says that in life, in blood, there's life. Every one of us have, have blood. I'm not sure if there's a nurse or anybody that could tell me how much blood we have. Is it six pints, seven pints, something like that? That's it. That's it. We lose a little less than half that, I think, and we're, and we're dead. In life, everything living has blood. And the, the consequence of sin was that you have to die. And so we have to die. Every one of us here have to die. That's it. Again, that's what God's law is, that we have to die. But this beautiful salvation story is that we don't actually have to die now because God, God man, Jesus Christ, shed his blood. It was his blood. It was a life for a life. Get it? It was a life for a life. Our life, we were supposed to die, but Jesus shed his blood, and he died for us. Again, Old Testament, high priest would go in once a year, offer sacrifice, he would come out. In Hebrews 9, we don't have the time to go through a pretty deep, pretty deep subject, 
just lightly touch on it, Jesus Christ goes in. He says here, as our high priest, you know, in Romans it says that he was the propitiation of our, uh, of our sins, or for our sins, which means mercy seat. And as the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat, we read in the New Testament, Jesus Christ is this high priest, and he is this mercy seat, and, and, and his body is torn for us. It was all about Jesus and his work on the cross. So when we talk about the cross, we don't just talk about a man that died on the cross. We're talking about a man that shed his blood, a man that where, where atonement had been made there for our sins. And by the way, the Bible says in Hebrews 9, I think it is, and he mentions in 10 as well, that the blood that the, that the, in the Old Testament, that couldn't really deal with man's conscience. It couldn't. It dealt with the you know, dietary law when they were touching unclean things. You know, that took care of that. But their conscience still bothered them. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. When you sin and you feel guilty for something, Christ's blood, and the guilt that we have and the shame that we have, Christ's blood can deal with that. It actually says in, in Hebrews 10, he says, well, if, if blood of bulls and goats can take away certain sin, what about the blood of Christ? Let's not underestimate what the blood of Christ can do and what it has done for us all. 9.14, Hebrews 9.14. Just think of how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God for the power of the eternal spirit. Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Do you really want to feel forgiven? I'm not going to ask to raise your hands. I had this little, I took some notes, you know, throughout the week. I was thinking, ask questions, ask questions. Maybe it would be awkward. Do you want, are you saved? Do you feel like you're holy? You know, no. In your heart, do you want to really be forgiven? Do you want to be deemed righteous, holy, justified before God? You know, this is available to you right now. Not because I'm saying it, not because I'm trying to fluff up the gospel. Actually, I'm trying to give the gospel as serious and as hardcore as it can be based on the Bible. It is a free gift for you to accept it in faith. And let him transform your life. I know in in, in my life, I know my life as as a young believer... I still dabbled with sin, and we still will dabble with sin. We will fall into sin. But you see, I had this idea that, that, that the more, uh, if I sinned, I try to do good works. And, and you know, and God has this balance. Oh, he's teetered. Okay, he's not back. Oh, he's, no, it doesn't work that way with God. And I know I would maybe go out drinking and doing things that I shouldn't have been doing. And then on Friday, we're going to go to the old age home. That should cover a few of those drinks. Yeah, that's fine. That's okay. Like, God doesn't work that way. He's, that's the way I understood the gospel. And it cripples you. How do we receive this? How do we receive this? Is it by doing good things? Is it trying to... I'm talking about salvation here. How do we receive this gift of salvation? No. Romans 3.20. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing, by doing what the law commands. This is what the Bible says. Again, it's not what we say. It's not what the preachers say that we're making this up. This is what God says. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows how sinful we are. Uh-oh, okay, we talked about that on our, on our Bible study. What was the law there? The law was never meant to save us. Think of this. Are you guys listening to me? Yes? Okay, not dozing up. Thank you, Erwin. The thumbs up there. Okay, if I had candy, I'd throw it at you right now. But I'll give you one tonight. Um, so listen, th- <laughs> what happened? Okay, good. I just wrote it. Okay, so... Uh, anyways, the law was there simply to show us our sin, right? That's what the law was there for. It was to show our sin. We, we, we thought we had to keep it, keep it, keep it, and then we're going to inherit. No, it was, to, it was to say, man, I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. I can't do this on my own. That's what the law was there for. That's what he's saying here. Verse 21 of Romans 3, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him 
without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. 22, Romans 3. We are made right with God. How? By going to church on Sunday, wearing a suit and tie, and a long dress. You knew it. That's not what it says. It says we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, and, all, and we have all fallen short of God's glorious standard. Verse 24, yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he, uh, when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. What was the penalty again? We talked, what was the penalty? Death. He freed us from that. We are declared, by putting our trust in Jesus Christ, we're declared now holy, righteous, justified. We are God's people. We have nothing to offer but to act in faith and receive the gift and receive this free gift. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 says, As for us, we can't help but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. We are always thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation. Our salvation that came through the Spirit who makes you holy. Who makes us holy? The Spirit that makes us holy and through your belief in the truth. Is that it? We just coast through life, right? That's all right. We're saved, and now that's it. We just coast through life, and we might sin, and we just go on, and we're saved, and we just coast through life, and we do whatever we want. No, there's a sanctification that takes place as a believer. You see, and maybe this, for those of us who are saved, who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, maybe this is where we find ourselves, coasting on cruise control. I found myself like that. I find it when I get entangled with the things of this world, and I feel the dryness, the, 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 the emptiness sometimes, at times, where you feel like you're just coasting as a Christian. And you see, so, so when I say there's some responsibility, there's a responsibility for us to feed the fire. There's a responsibility for us to, 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 to uh, live by the Spirit, to deny ourselves, you know, to avoid those things where we know when we dabble with, we fall into sin. You see, we, we back up our faith. Faith has taken place. Salvation now has taken place. Now, we see the transformation. We've repented. We've turned to God. We're following God. Repentance is not just a word. It's not just the 180 degrees, but as some, I heard someone say, it is, it's a change of lifestyle too. It really is. You don't do those things that you, you don't do those things not to inherit. You don't do those things because something's transformed inside you. We're still in the flesh. We still have the temptations. We still will fall, but we have victory over sin. We're not a slave to sin. We're not a slave to it's the consequence of sin anymore because of the price. Galatians 5 talks about fruits of the Spirit. You see, now that we are new creatures in Jesus Christ, we can read that in 2 Corinthians, at least 5.18, we are new creatures in Christ. <clears throat> that really is that born-again experience. We are new creatures in Jesus Christ. Galatians 5 talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Why? Because a seed, and we talked about it in our Bible class, a seed has been planted. The Holy Spirit seed, let's call it. The Holy Spirit's seed has been planted in our hearts. And now there is fruit. And our lifestyle will back up our faith. The way we live will really say what kind of seed has been planted. That's why we get confused sometimes with James 2 where it talks about faith without works is dead. Oh, so I got I to gotta work to No, no. He's talking about once you're saved and, and you have this faith, you've got to back up that faith by our lifestyle. And so we do have a responsibility this sanctification, this setting ourselves apart from those things that will, will defile us, from those things, I think we take that lightly. 
you know, I, do you know what cross-contamination is? Cross-contamination. What is it? Quickly, someone who, who knows what it means. I know there's somebody here that knows what it means. Don't be shy. Just go ahead. Sure, that's, yeah, that, that could be cross-contaminated. Yeah, that's, a, that's one example. Yeah, but yeah, basically, you mix something up. Or, you know, I used to do some moving, and we would work with insurance companies on flood and fires. And flood and fires, or, yeah, flood and fires, floods. Uh, and basically, um, you, 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 you had to walk in a room to pull out things. But the problem is that we call that black water. It was sewage water. That's been cleaned. You don't see it. But there is, it's probably dirty. So, you're not, so we, we have to be careful when you walk into the customer's house. You don't walk in with the same shoes. And you're stepping on here, and we're like all, you know, nice, all white, clean, photographing. And I'm just walking right through their kitchen, cross-contaminating everything. And so we live in this world, right? We live in this world. We go to school. We go to school. You know, Brother, my brother Danny's not here. Delic, my cousin, he was, he was just sharing with me how we were, there were some people were, were talking about how we see the world changing and, and the piercing and the jewelry and this. I mean, these are our customers. He said that. He goes, these, are the, these are people I deal with every single day. And, and I, I see this picture of how the Corinthian church, why Paul wrote them, they were so, this was just part of their culture, and that culture started influencing the church and started influencing their lives. And so we start maybe cross-contaminating because we get so used to our surroundings. And we don't even realize it's that slow fade. We know that song, slow fade, beautiful song, where, where things start turning from black and white to gray. We're realizing, we're realizing that now we're cross-contaminating. And so we have a responsibility to be in the Word, Feed, being fed by the Spirit and in His Word, and, and growing, all of us. And it's not easy. It's that, it's that wrestling with the flesh, because guess what? We're still in this flesh. We don't always feel like reading. We don't always feel like doing those things that we're supposed to do. What's going to happen if you play Fortnite for six hours? What's that? You don't care, right? You think of it. You're, you're feeding the flesh Fortnite, six hours. You really feel like reading? Do you, you know... Or, or maybe you're, you're, you're for the, for, that's for the guys, I would say. But for the ladies, maybe it's like, you know, watching what, you know, the next uh, Hollywood episode of Bachelor or, or whatever and just watching that and the way they're dressed. And you, you want to upkeep to that? They're laughing. Okay. So, hope you guys don't watch Bachelor. Okay. Lucas, you're laughing. You better not be watching Bachelor. Okay. Sorry. So, you see how we, we have a choice. Listen, guys, every one of us here have a choice. I have a choice. You have a choice. We can, and I say this, and I sound like a broke record. Maybe it's the same sermon you've heard somewhere else that maybe I've preached. But it's a sermon. It's, it's a, you're going to hear the same message. We have a choice every day to feed the flesh or feed the spirit. We have that choice. We could feed the flesh or we could feed the spirit. You could be on Fortnite for six hours, you know, screaming, oh, eliminated 150 meters like I heard a couple weeks ago. Freaking out, eliminated. I shot his head. He blew up. He killed him. Like, super excited. How excited are we about the gospel? But we're saved. We're saved. We, we should be excited. As excited as you get about passion, about other things, we should be that passionate for the Gospels. We're saved, and we can share that with others. <clears throat> I'm almost done here. 1 Peter 2.9 says, listen, this is what he says about those that have put their trust in Jesus Christ. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is that invitation that has gone out to all of us. He's called us out of darkness. He's called us out of darkness. You, your deeds won't determine if you go to hell. You know, maybe you're, you, you know, I remember Dennis shared this. He was coming back from Ohio, and he, see this, he saw this guy, and uh, like, you know, Harley, I'm judging now, but Harley David, same guy, 
Don't say long beard. Sorry, Lucas. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, he's just tattooing all these tattooed, swear, swear look really rough-looking guy. And Dennis, you know, just kind of looked at him. He just, just looked like a, like a rough guy. Like, what are you looking at? You know, and Dennis asked him something about a tattoo about hell. You know, and he, he was very proud of it. And uh, he says to him, my brother Dennis, and he says to him, he goes, uh, you, you like that tattoo? He goes, yeah, man, I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. Because look at what he got on me. Dennis goes, you know, you're not going to hell because of that. You're not going to hell because of your, your deeds. Nor are you going to heaven because of your deeds. You're going to hell because you've rejected, I think it's uh, John 3, 19, maybe 17, 18, 19, says, light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. You can either accept that light or you can just live in darkness. And here we read that he's pulled us out of darkness, this marvelous light. Who wants that? Answer that for yourself tonight. I'm not, I'm just maybe, think of it, I I kind of laid a case before you this evening as we wrap up. I've laid a case before you. You know, you're perhaps the jurors. Judge yourselves. Decide for yourselves where you stand before God. Do you want to try on your own and continue failing? Or do you want to put your trust in Jesus Christ and let him transform your life into his image day by day? It's not his transformation overnight. All of a sudden, no, it's a transformation day by day. The Bible does call us Saints, by the way, you become, you go from sinner to saint. Can you imagine that? Sinner to saint. This is the gift that God offers us. The rest is up to you. There's nothing else that we could do. Paul writes to the Corinthians that we are just ministers. We share the gospel. We, sh- we, we sow the seed. And how it lands and germinates in your hearts, I pray that the Holy Spirit would convict you and that it would grow. Amen.